Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. Welcome to a new episode of TV Gold. My co-host, as usual, Andrew Mercado. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, James. We've got interesting mix this week. The main thing we'll focus on a little later in the podcast is the lost flowers of Alice Hart. I'm billing this as possibly the biggest Australian drama of the year. Is that overselling it, do you think? Having watched it all, I think you might be right. I think budget-wise, it yep. looks like the most uh, lush, expensive production of the year. And, you know, it's got an incredible cast. So, yeah, I think you're right, James. And that doesn't mean best, but it just means no. possibly the biggest budget. Yeah. Um, something like 200-plus countries it's going out into. Yeah. It'd be hard to beat that in terms of big, but look, we'll get to that. We're also going to be talking about Justified City Prime Evil, physical season three, but we'll start off with a little chat about the TV Week Logies. Yeah. I've got to say, look, great idea to have Sam Pang hosting, I think. he um, Fantastic. He was terrific. Did a good job and Interestingly, kept out of trouble. There's no real big controversy that he got wrapped up in, which wouldn't make him think, oh, I'm not touching this again. <laughs> Although he was dangerous. Those jokes were right yeah. on the edge, and they really pushed it. it. It had that vibe of the first time Andrew Denton hosted the Logies at nine and he sat on James Packer's lap and <laughs> pretended to be a ventriloquist. Dummy. You, it, you kind of had that danger all night, like what could he say next? And he did get some real zingers in there. So, yeah, I thought it was a – he was a perfect host. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Let's have a little look at the the um, the judging, the winners, if you like. Yep. The most popular and the most outstanding categories. Look, I didn't really have problems with many of them, or no, with any of them, I should say. But I, I was interested, though, in the voting. Some of the things just surprised me, if you like. Um, this doesn't mean they weren't worthy of a win, okay? So no, no, no. I'll, I'll say that up front. But, I mean, most popular presenter, great, great that um, Tony Armstrong got that. And I yeah. think it was his second successive um, uh, Logie. I think he won last year too. He won Best New Talent last year. Yeah. But, I mean, you look at the people and you go, gee whiz, did he really get more votes than Hamish Blake, you know? Yeah. That, and and Sonia Kruger, who got the gold. Yeah. I, I, that, that sort of surprised me a little bit. Look, a worthy winner. And the two other ones that surprised me were the, the Silver Logies for most popular presenter, I uh, know most most popular actor, which went to Sam Neill, and most popular actress went to Kitty Flanagan. Look, both yeah. great results. Yeah. I personally would have possibly voted for both of them too. Yeah. But then when you see they're up against people from home and away and things like that, you go, gee, it's are the, are the Logies moving away from just being, a, you know, neighbours and home and away fans voting? Well, look, this is what I want to say about – the Logies and the categories of most popular and most outstanding. I've always defended the Logies, James, because of the fact that it's got those two things. I think it's really important that we have awards that are voted for by peers, as in casting agents and people who work in the biz and all of that, for the outstanding category. But I think it's really important that we have People's Choice Awards voting for the most popular awards. 
I think now that the problem with the Logies is that they don't make enough of being that duopoly. You know, it's interesting for me to watch the show go from nine to seven because I would have thought that seven had a fresh set of eyes to it. And then you watch it and it's still the same old Logies and it still has some really cringy moments in it. So it makes me wonder whether or not there needs to be a bigger overhaul of it. Here's my idea, James. I think the show should start and they should make it very clear to everybody. Because imagine this, you're sitting there watching at home and they go, the most popular entertainment program, and then 10 minutes later, they're doing the most outstanding entertainment program. They never explain the difference. You see, people are sitting at home like going, what's happening? They just gave out this award. I think it should be split into part one and part two. The night should start with the most popular awards as voted by you, the viewers. You do all of those in the one sense, and then you say, now, don't switch off. We're about to do the most outstanding category as voted by people in the industry, but the award you vote for, the gold for the most popular person on TV still coming. Don't switch off. I think they need to really make that distinction and explain to the audience why they're doubling up. People at home must be going, what the fuck is happening here? They just gave out this award. So that's what I think needs to happen to make it make the audience understand that they are a part of this show. And I don't think that's happening at the moment. Yeah, I'm with you a little bit on that. I mean, I haven't really thought about it as deeply as as you set it out just then. But yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I in past years I've looked at winners and I've just thought, oh, great, they've won, and without really thinking, or oh, which bit did they win? Was it a popular vote? Was it just the judges picking this one? It's um, yeah, it's all very, it's it's not highlighted, is it? That the changes, mm-hmm. but between the different judging panels, if you like, the public yeah. or, the, or the... It just goes on and on for four and a half hours and it feels like there's repetition in it. And it won't feel like that if you explain to the audience more what's happening. Yeah. The the other one was interesting one too, like the most outstanding children's went to um, Crazy Fun Park, which is great, yeah. and but it beat Bluey. Incredible. Which is, you know, surprising. But then I think Bluey's a previous winner. Correct. So so you you probably you don't give it to the same thing every year if you're a judge voting, do you? You want to no. see some, some And you know what? I didn't watch Crazy Fun Park. I'm not a kid. I don't watch kids' show, but clearly the voters the uh, people in that outstanding category thought that what they were doing was so fantastic, it deserved a nod. And look, let's face it, Blue is getting so much recognition and has won awards before. I always think it's great to not give it to the same show year after year after year. So I know it was a shock on the night, but, you know, well done to the makers of Crazy Fun Park for getting up there. Sure, sure. And, um, you know, and... Well done to the makers of Colin from Accounts. That well, yes. well, didn't that clean up? And they were also involved in the twelve. So they, you know, I think they that was um Easy Tiger. Yeah. Um, I think they won six Logies. The, the, Amazing. The one, you know, it's sort of still a boutique um production house, I think. It's getting a lot bigger. But yeah, um, gee whiz, they did so well. So another series coming for the twelve. 
of. Uh, but I didn't know, I haven't heard any talk yet from Harriet Dyer or Patrick Bramall. Is there another series of Colin and a from accounts? But surely there has to be now that they both won acting gongs and the show won. And clearly that show really, really struck a nerve. People loved the comedy. Uh, you know, I think people in general love romantic comedies and somehow Colin from accounts really stood out in that pack you know i mean that's the kind of audience that love me was going for on foxtel but colin from accounts came in with just that edgy humor and uh that's the show that people are talking about yeah yeah okay the then the award i was probably most happy about was uh most outstanding factual or documentary program going to the australian wars on yeah. sbs it was yeah. um it was great to see that acknowledged, and I, I just hope a lot of people got to see it. And, you know, The Australian Wars was absolutely the most outstanding documentary of the year. And Rachel Perkins, uh, the the maker of that show, she was on Q&A not this week, but the week before. She spoke so well about what The Voice is. I thought it was a great episode of Q&A because I think – Rachel Perkins, as a filmmaker, knows how to explain things in, in, you know, in a way that makes it easy for people to understand. So thank you for what she said and uh, congratulations on the award. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anything else you wanted to note uh, on the Logies before we... I would just like to say that, you know, I think that Sonia Kruger's win, I don't watch The Voice, I don't watch Big Brother, but she's very, very good on Dancing with the Stars and she's professional and uh, I've worked with her. I know that she's a class act. Um, I would say, though, that from the moment she won that award, there was negative social media commentary about the fact that she had made anti-Muslim statements in the past. And I think if you look at the articles that have been published this week by uh, Osman Faraki in the Sydney Morning Herald and Solia Iqbal in Pedestrian, where they write as Muslims and talk about what it's like to be at the receiving end of comments like that, I think that what they have to say is really important. And I would imagine that Sonia Kruger might be shocked at the negativity around her win. And I think there's an opportunity here for her to, she's never apologised for those comments. She's never walked back from them. But this is clearly a reminder that people have not forgotten what she said in 2016. And I think it'd be really great for Sonia to acknowledge that and find a way to walk back those comments because, you know, she is a great TV presenter, but this is always going to be hanging over her. Uh, and I think that the, the, the fact that people clearly are not going to forget this and they have every reason to be upset about it, it should be acknowledged in some way. Okay, that's the uh, the Logie Awards. That's um, another year gone for them, 2023. And I that was on seven. I presume they're still available to watch on seven plus. Must be, yeah. Okay. Look, we'll get to justified city primeval in a second, but we've got a couple of emails. I'll do one of them now. Okay. And I figure I should do this one first. Uh, it is from, and make sure I get this right, it's from Troy, Troy Price. Now, Troy Price is a previous correspondent I actually called Tony. So, 
So apologies um, for that, Tony. It was, um, yeah, I don't know why. I wrote down Tony on the top. I printed it out, and I scribbled Tony on the top after looking at his name quickly, and then I, I called him Tony through the, the whole rest of that email. <laughs> so let, let's get to his email. He says, um, he says, while Tony is a good name, my name is, <laughs> is Troy, just for future reference. <laughs> so apologies for that. Look, it's a... It's, he's, he's got some great comments in here and it's a little bit longish, but I feel, look, after getting his name wrong, the least I can do is give, give, give him a, a couple of minutes to, um, so I'll, I'll address a few things and he's, he, he wants to respond to a few things we've talked about recently. He says, Andrew, I too was deeply disappointed with the clearing. Um, Troy calls it a complete mess, a slog of a show that he sat through for eight hours. Yeah. He said he was so disappointed, in fact, that he's made the decision not to sit through TV shows I'm not enjoying, which I have to admit I do all too often to satisfy the completionist in me. Yeah. And that's something I've talked about with you before. I, I start <laughs> something and you do feel some, some you should sort of commit to, you know, trying to watch them all. Great point. It's, I, I 100% agree uh, with Troy. You know, it's, uh, you know, I often go, it's an Australian show. It, you know, I'm going to watch this in the hope that it gets better. I'm a lot more vicious when it comes to overseas shows. If I'm not liking it and I've got other things to do, I'm out. But with the Australian shows, I stick with them. And then, of course, the disappointment is double when you get to the end and go, oh, why did I do that? So I'm with Troy 100%. Yep. Um, he says, he says, so far, he's since he's made the dumping decisions, he's already dumped out of is it Furbar? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, on Netflix, a dead ringers, which I don't agree with. I think you maybe should have persevered with that one, Troy. Yeah, uh, I'm a Virgo on Amazon, uh, the year of on Stan, and yeah, I'm I'm someone who dumped out of that. I, I did, yeah, I dumped out a year of Furbar, I think, is the Arnold Schwarzenegger one on Netflix. Oh, okay, yep. Yeah, and look, Dead Ringers is really out there, but yeah, I actually think it, it it's it's worth the slog of all those shows he's dumped out of. That's the one I would say keep with it. Yeah, he writes a little bit about After Party, and he agrees with you about Elizabeth Perkins. Uh, he says she's a hoot in series two of After Party, and she continues to make everything she's in inherently better. Yeah, spot which was, on. Which was a comment you made the uh, other week. Um, he finishes off. He's got a couple of uh, quick things. He's got a couple of recommendations, and he says, thanks for alerting, alerting him to the catch, which we talked right. about, I think, probably just last week, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was last week, and I finished watching it all four episodes. Boom. The ending was felt a little bit obvious to me. I could see it coming, but I liked the cast, and I liked the location. I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. Okay. So Troy's final thing is his uh, recommendation. So he's Heels season two on Stan. Oh, uh, yeah. The wrestling one with Stephen Amell. Yep. Twisted Metal also on Stan. Yep. Says he's watched all five apps. It's his surprise packet of the year so Ooh. far. Okay. Um, what We Do in the Shadows season five on Binge. Yes. Uh, says it's very funny. Foundation season two on Apple TV Plus. Yep. And he's looking forward to uh, the UK indie drama Boys uh, coming on Binge. I guess 
Um, don't know that. Uh, this new season of Thank God You're Here, which has yeah. just started on 10. And got incredible uh, support on social media, according to TV Tonight this morning. People saying it's one of the best TV reboots they've ever seen. It was, you know, apparently yeah. got up to a great side. I taped it, haven't yet watched it back. I work on a Wednesday night. I will be watching that today. Okay. Uh, the Lost Towers of Alice Flat. Uh, Alice Hart, which we'll get to uh, yeah. a little uh, later in this um, series. And finally, uh, the final season of Reservation Dogs. On oh, yeah, that's about to start on binge. And you know what? It, it, this also, thanks, those suggestions from uh, Troy are fantastic. Thank you. And given that we got his name wrong, this is a great <laughs> opportunity for us to talk about something else. At the Logies, I heard them introducing Lincoln Eunice. Yeah, uh, and we've been calling him Lincoln Younds. I've been calling him that, and you've been pronouncing it, but mispronouncing it like me. But on the other night, I heard that the correct pronunciation for our great Australian actor is Lincoln Younes, yes. and uh, we're sorry we got his name wrong in the past, uh, and uh, we still love your work. Okay, good to know. Look, um, speaking of dumping shows, Justified City Primeval. Yep. I made it through that first episode. I sort of wanted to dump it. I, I wasn't. I wasn't really into it. And then I, I did a bit of research, and I found all these reasons why I should probably keep going. But <laughs> let's hear about what you thought of it. Well, I thought exactly the same thing. I watched it and I liked it. I mean, I like Timothy Oliphant as an actor. This one's interesting because his real-life daughter, Vivian Oliphant, plays his daughter in this, and it's an interesting relationship they have. And I watched the first episode, and I, I remember watching the original Justified, which I did. I think I watched season one. I got to season two. Nah, I dropped out of it. And I was like you. I was watching it going, oh, yeah, I, I like Timothy Oliphant, but this is violent and I don't really want to watch this. And then I thought I should always watch a second episode. And then I watched episode two and it was like, oh, I might just watch one more. <laughs> um, and then I started watching episode three. And it's not really my type of show. I don't really want to watch it, but I do really like Timothy Oliphant, and he's so good in this role. And I'm starting to get a bit hooked into this cast of all the criminals that he's investigating and all of that. And, yeah, I, I think I'm in there. I would have watched episode four, but there were only three on Disney Plus that they released. They're clearly dropping it week by week. So, you know, I think it's a good return to form. I think it really works moving the show to a new location, which is Detroit. Um, and, you know, I love, uh, you know, he's working with the uh, cops in Detroit and they keep going, oh, this is the way we do things in Detroit. And even he's going, even Raylan, given who's the character played, the marshal played by Timothy Olfen is kind of like going, really, guys? Oh, yeah, well, that's the way we do things in Detroit. I mean, these guys are hardcore. So, yeah, I, I, I really like the show, and uh, but it's not the type of show I'd normally watch, but I think I'm in for the long run. Okay, okay. Yeah, I... Um... I don't, I mean, Timothy Oliphant's one of those people I recognise, but I've never really known his name until this. And then to my shock, I realised he played the tour manager in Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah. But he was sort of unrecognisable because he had this hilarious wig on and was wearing, you know, like 70s sort of yeah. flamboyant gear, you know, suits or sort of, to a garb, um, and he was really brilliant in that. He was so good. 
So yeah. I thought, well, maybe I should persevere. It's based on a, a couple of Elmore Leonard novels. Um, and look, I've always enjoyed Elmore Leonard and he's one of those people I would have liked to have read more. So it's another reason. And on Rotten Tomatoes, this gets a 91% approval rating. Yeah, wow. I think and the fans like it. So there's a lot, a lot of people think this is pretty good. And you mentioned um, his, you know, real-life daughter playing his TV daughter. Yeah. Um, I, she was in that first episode. Does, does she crop up much further in? She In episode three, she uh, seems to depart, but I, the story is not finished. They have to bring her back. She leaves on a very up-in-the-air note, and uh, clearly there's more story to tell there. But, look, I've always known about Timothy Oliphant right from the start because he starred in a, a film in 1999 called Go, directed by Doug Lyman, uh, which was a film that I really remember. And then he was in The Broken Hearts Club, which was a gay romantic comedy. So I've always followed him. And I loved his, uh, you know, when he when he puts on that cowboy hat, as he did in the movie <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's got the drawl, he's got the walk, he does have that cowboy vibe about him, and, and that's what works so well here in Justified for him. Yeah. I found the storyline a little bit hokey, that that first episode, I, that's why I wasn't really buying it. You know, he's, uh, he's a deputy U.S. marshal, he's comes from Kentucky up to Detroit, a few unfortunate incidents, and he ends up working with Detroit police on a case, looking after a judge who earlier in that episode throws him in jail. Um, so I thought, eh, I don't know. But then, yeah, as I read more about it and then hearing you talk about it, I think, well, four episodes, I should give this a go. And we should also mention, too, because people are probably screaming, what about Deadwood? He was in Deadwood, yep. if we're talking yep. about great cowboy roles. And he also was in that show I never watched on Netflix, Santa Clarita Diet with uh, Drew Barrymore. I know there's a lot of fans for that out there as well. The other thing, too, is I should point out that Justified City Primeval is on Disney+. Plus. I tell you what, James, I look for it everywhere. I was looking for it on Stan. Oh, it's not there. It must be on Prime, went through Prime, oh, it's not there, went to Disney. I was just about to exit the app and go look for a computer to look up where it was, and suddenly it was there. So there it is, there it is. So I grabbed it. Disney Plus, Justified City Primeval. Okay. That's it. I had it down as a as a Prime thing, but it's Yeah, not. so did I. I was looking all over for it in Prime, but it's definitely on Disney Plus. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Okay. So that's uh, Justified for episodes. Um, let's talk a little bit about physical. Now you'll have to talk about this. I'm, I've yeah. just only ever finished season one, and yeah. before you know it, we're up to season three. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed it, but obviously not enough to keep going. So yeah. I, I just never really got back into season two. Uh, Rose Byrne playing a sort of she has success as a was she a gym instructor and aerobics Fitness instructor aerobics? Yeah, yeah, and a and a your career takes off. Um, yeah. What happened? Where are we with season three? And is it why have you stuck with it? 
Well, there's always been this darker story going on. Yes, it's about a woman at, at the start of the aerobics craze in the 80s, but she also has a massive eating disorder. And, you know, it's it's quite disturbing, some of those episodes where she locks herself in a hotel room and has this ritual bulimia to eat a lot of food and then throw up again. And, you know, she's a very unlikable character. And only an actress like Rose Byrne can pull this off. Um, and constantly in the shade, just thinking, oh, my God, Sheila, somebody slapped some sense into her. Um, but she's an unlikable character, but she's really interesting. Look, the third season, they bring in a guest star, Zoe Deschanel, Deschanel, who plays a rival aerobics instructor, but also is the talking head in her. So a lot of time she's there, but she's not really there. It's Roseburn imagining these conversations with her rival. Um, the third season, I did actually feel it was starting. I've watched all 10 episodes. They're half-hour episodes. I did feel it was kind of starting to lose it a bit. They pulled it back together. They did bring in some of the characters from season one that uh, seem to have been forgotten, like, you know, Tyler the surfer, as played by Lou Taylor Pucci, who I always loved. They bring them back. There is some closure. But the last episode's kind of um, a bit weird. Um, I don't want to give away any plot spoilers. Uh, so it's come to an end. It's a satisfactory ending, and I still think that the show overall is a good watch, and I think uh, it has some really important things to say about uh, eating disorders. Uh, the one person who doesn't come back at the end, though, is uh, our Aussie guy, Murray Bartlett. He's the aerobics instructor in season two. I think he might get a mention, but he doesn't come back. Um, but, yeah, look, uh, thumbs up for physical. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, every episode two, James, you'll love this, is named after an 80s song. Oh, so a lot of Madonna song titles are in there and... And uh, also, the, some I noticed uh, one of the obscure tracks from the first Wham album is in there on the soundtrack. It's got a great soundtrack. So, yeah, if you like physical, it's up there to watch now. I don't know whether – I think they might be dropping it week by week, but stick with it. It's a good show. Um, and just quickly on physical, the what I enjoyed from the first season was Sheila's relationship with her husband, Danny. Yeah. Um, I, I gather, did that fall apart a bit in season two? And where are they at in season three? Well, in season three, they're separated. He's living in like a kind of a swinging California, a singles, you know, motel in California. And they're, they're sharing custody of their daughter back and forth. It's interesting, their daughter, who's very much a minor supporting character, as the show starts to get towards the end, they ramp up uh, an episode. There's an episode with just uh, Sheila, Danny and their daughter um, as they deal with, you know, their fractured family. It's a very good one. Um, so, yeah, it's great. Um, and, you know, we should give a shout out to Greta uh, as played by Deirdre Friel, who is the um, housewife that ends up becoming Sheila's business partner. And, uh, of course, she does turn out to be the character that says to Sheila, for God's sake, woman, you know, we can do this. You know, I've come this far. You're not going to throw me away now. She's a great character. It's a good show. Okay, look, we've got uh, one more reader's email, which I'll get to at, at, towards the end of the episode. 
Let's get to the big Australian drama, The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. And I'll remind people up front that we've got a special bonus episode of um, TV Gold, which will be up uh, alongside this new episode where we sort of delve into the uh, behind the scenes. We talk to a couple of producers on the program and they tell us all about um, some of the things we're going to be discussing now. So I, I found it really interesting. Um, you really enjoy the series more uh, when you do that. It was much like our talk with Marta Dusseldorf yeah. um, about um, Mystery mystery Bay, Mystery Fires. Uh, Bay of Fires. Bay of Fires. Yeah. And it really helped my, you know, understanding, enjoyment of that. And I yeah. think it, the, the same thing happens with the uh, Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. Now, one of the things that surprised me, it's um, it's it's a best-selling book by Holly Ringland. What yeah. I didn't realise until I started to watch this, that she was the co-host of Back to Nature on the ABC. Oh, no, really? Is that Holly Ringland? Oh, my God. <laughs> I loved her and Aaron. I know you did. You, you, we raved a lot about that series, oh. didn't we? And oh, wow. No wonder they picked her to do that show. Oh, that's extraordinary news. Wow. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, a lot of people go, "Oh, you idiots!" Didn't you know that? But oh, how could we not know that? Oh, well done, James. Thank you for telling me that. Yeah, so she co-hosted that with Aaron Pedersen, of course, and I guess that still must be on iView. So if you haven't watched that, go back and check that out. But, but yeah, this this Lost Flowers it uh, it takes the viewer on a journey. We've both watched all seven episodes. Um, yeah. Look, it's a, a young girl loses both her parents in a tragic event, goes to live with her grandmother, and the you know that that's covered, sort of covered off in that first episode, but she was the the story expands into so much. Yes, yeah. um, it, you've really got to focus to keep going, but it's um, I found it really enjoyable. And this is a show that comes with massive warnings uh, that, you know, d warning the viewer that this is a show about domestic violence. Um, and it's a theme that runs through all of the episodes. Um, and I did find that first episode in particular, I was kind of like, whoa, this is really, oh, you know, it, it made me uncomfortable. And uh, but, you know, it's all being done for a reason. And there's a much longer story being told here and it's incredibly well done i don't want to repeat what we say on that other podcast uh but you're right james people should go listen to that separate podcast about the lost flowers of alice hart particularly if they want to know about the locations uh which you know were driving you and i crazy where have they filmed this an incredible coastal uh town in the show and a fictional place uh in the center of australia it was incredible finding out where they filmed it and how they did that. Um, yeah. And just the cast, I mean, you know, Australian actors like Asha Ketty, Leah Purcell, Alexander England, Sharina Clanton, um, you know, Jeremy, you know, so many great actors in this. And then, of course, Sigourney Weaver as uh, the lead character and Alicia Deb Debnam Carrie as Alice, also played when she's younger by Alia Brown. Incredible performances. And, yeah, The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart will be on Prime from this Friday. I think they told us, James, they were going to release three episodes to begin with and then drop them week by week. Yeah, 
this is a fantastic achievement, a mighty uh, work for the Australian film industry. Very, very proud of it. Yeah, three episodes up front, then one a week with the um, finale. I think it's on September 1. It's, yes. Um, anyway, up four, four weeks from um, August 4. When Jeremy it- Lindsay Taylor, that's the actor's name I was just tripping over before. He plays uh, Jeremy Lindsay Taylor, always can play the, that, that type of man that you don't know whether he's going to take you to bed or beat you to a pulp. He does that really, really well. And, and you know, within this story about domestic violence, you know, it's, he's only in the first, uh, a couple of episodes, but powerful stuff. Yeah, it's almost a cameo, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I really liked his work. The other person who pops up in that first episode is Andrew McFarlane. Yeah. Very briefly as a doctor. Um, so it was good seeing him. But, yeah, look, a very impressive cast. Um, yeah, the, the people we speak to on our special podcast was Sarah Christie from uh, Prime Video and Jody Madison, who runs um, the uh, production company Made Up Stories, the Australian arm of it. Um, yeah, they, they, they really explain a lot of what happens. And look, this is, it's quite emotionally draining. A lot of these, yeah. some of these episodes, you've just got to, wow, when you finish, you just sit down and, and take a breath because you really feel you go through the ringer. And also, we should give a shout out to the fact that all seven episodes are directed by the same person, Glendon Ivan. And I think, you know, the screenplay as adapted from that book by Sarah Lambert, Kirsty Fisher and Kim Wilson, you know, really, really well done. It really keeps you going for seven hours. Yeah. And it's um, beautiful to look at. It's just beautiful. Oh, it yeah. I mean, it's a dark subject matter sometimes, but it, it, it's beautiful. Yeah, that sort of eases it a little bit. The, uh, yeah. The stunning locations all the time and that's i mean i'll talk a little bit about that first episode um it starts in it looks like i'm guessing it's rural sort of northern new south wales yeah uh, there's a sort of calming shot of a sunrise um there's low cloud it, it just looks lovely you see the young alice hart uh playing uh amongst um i guess it's sugar cane cane fields uh with her father clem her mother arrives uh agnes um, and it looks As like played a- by James Tilda Cobham Harvey for who we loved from the Helen Reddy uh, movie. Yeah, and um, the Clem uh, Clem Hart uh, is the father. He's played by Charlie Vickers. Um, yeah, and it's a tough role to play because he's look, he's you know, he's a bit of a piece of work. Um, yeah. as as you find out as the series unfold um, evolves. But uh, they look like a happy family, you know, but there's there's hints that things aren't going right. You, the first time you think, well, what's going on here is when Alice notes, I think, a bruise on um, on her mum's shoulder. And yeah. then, you know, we, we get – I love the way the story, just things keep getting dropped all the way, all the way through the whole seven episodes. Yeah. You, you keep getting sort of, oh, wow. Um, you keep getting little sort of plot uh, developments that, that that keep you sort of um, keep you engaged with the, with the show. I mean, it's not too long before that first episode that we um, we get to meet. Uh, Alice sort of wanders into town and uh, goes in, walks into the library, and Asha Ketty plays the librarian, uh, Sally Morgan, and she has a relationship with her, and then that. Through the whole series, the the revelations about um, how she's sort of crosses paths with the with the Hart family. It's yeah. um, 
there's a, there's a bit of a family tree going on there that you've got to sort of carefully follow. If there was one criticism that I would make, I would say it's a bit of a clunky jump from uh, young Alice to older Alice. It's like one episode ends and she's a young girl and then the next episode starts and she's much older. And I, I actually thought I'd missed an episode and I stopped it and went back to make sure I clicked on the right one to watch. Um, it's just, you just have to, and then eventually go, oh, and then they've dropped feeding this information of what's happened in all the previous years. Um, that's the only complaint. It's just a little bit clunky, that big time jump, but the rest of it, magnificent. I actually watched that first episode twice because there's, there's I don't think it's a plot swallow to say there's a fire in that first episode. And I'm just wa watching from where it started to where it ended up. I wasn't quite sure how that happened, so you that you sort of you can work out what happened but it just wasn't made terribly clear some of the flashbacks too you've got to sort of focus some of the characters obviously flashback but other people you're not sure are we looking at them in contemporary or is this going back to the yeah. sort of the, the younger alice yeah I, I yeah was a little unsure of uh some of that but yeah look um everybody really does a good job um and you've i've sort of got to be careful about talking too much about it because you don't really want to give away too much no you don't but but as i say the the there's a whole separate other podcast about this uh we can get more information about the making of it and it was quite a mammoth effort and some great stories to tell about sigourney weaver you know how incredible that she came down here to make this show yeah, and Alicia Debnam Carey as, as Alice Hart. I mean, she's a surprise to me. I mean, she's worked a lot in the US, over 100 episodes of Fear, uh, The Walking Dead. I think yeah. she was in the 100 as well, but but I, I haven't watched those series, so she was like a complete newcomer to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got a great Australian show. I'd say that if we were going to say what's our show of the week, it's an absolute no-brainer this week, isn't it? Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. So I think we both give a big tick to the Lost Files of Alice Hart. Correct. As our uh, show of the week. Let's get me quickly to this um, second email we got this week. Look, it's yep. a little bit outside our remit, this one, but I'll bring it up anyway. That's from Chris. He writes about the FIFA 2023 Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah. And his, I won't be asking you a football question, Andrew, but I'll uh -huh. be asking you a sort of a, a TV question. He sort of, he asks, he, he um, writes about a, a column that Lucy Zalich wrote in the Sydney Morning Herald saying it was a bit of a joke that, um, only 15 of the 64 games of the FIFA Women's World Cup are on free to air TV. Yeah. The, the rest you have to subscribe to. Um, up to sport to be yeah. able to watch them. And that was the gist of, um, of Lucy's column. Uh, um, Chris points out most people in the comments, uh, on the Herald, and I guess this column was also in the age and maybe the Brisbane Times, other nine, um, publications. Some people said, look, while it's only $25 to watch the games on Optus, um, it's, it's just not good enough that women's professional sport isn't given a, a bit bigger showcase, particularly given that it's in Australia. Um, so I, my question to you is, I mean, do you think a, a big event like this, is it okay to split it between a, a paid platform 
and free-to-air, or should there be more of it on free-to-air? Well, this is not the first time I've been put on the spot about this question. I was doing a regular spot on ABC Drive on Monday, and they had a caller, and it was this uh, older gentleman who said, look, I'm a pensioner, and I don't have the money to watch these extra games, and I'm furious that, you know, the anti-siphoning laws for major sporting events haven't covered this and that these games should be on free-to-air TV. And I would say this – I don't think they've seven has been getting some fantastic ratings for this, but I don't think that they knew they were going to get that many people. I think the rating figures are a surprise. I think if they'd had any idea that there was going to be this much interest uh, in the Matildas, that I think they would have scheduled more matches as part of that uh, relationship. I, I mean, I I don't understand the actual breakdown. I would like to think that the games featuring the Matildas are going on to free-to-air TV as part of the anti-siphoning laws, but all the other games with all the other countries playing is what you need your $25 Optus subscription to uh, watch. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, it is an interesting subject to bring up, and I don't know what the specifics are about anti-siphoning laws there, but, look, I would suggest that the phenomenal rating success of this is going to be great for female sport across the board now and that maybe there might be more interest in free-to-air networks to show more women's sport and also to give them um, more of a mention in the news every night and acknowledge that women's sport's out there. I've got people that say to me that when they watch the news in New Zealand that there's a lot more attention on their news broadcast to women's sport than there is here in Australia. So I think it's part of a bigger problem that we need to look at here. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting point to raise for sports lovers. Yeah, all those Australia's all the Matildas games are on free to wear, so yeah. you're not you're not missing anything there. And, and look, I've got Optus Sport because I, I I get it. The Optus is my um, broadband provider. Yep. And I chose them not because of price, but because I got the Optus Sport package. Yeah, right. It's, it's quite a good deal. And if I I might get it free, or I might just pay five dollars a month because I'm an Optus subscriber. Yeah. But that might, I mean, and the broadband's pretty good too, I must say. And um, isn't this a bit like the relationship that, say, Nine and Foxtel would have with the football or Seven and Foxtel have with the AFL? A certain number of matches are screened on free-to-air TV, but then all of the matches are yeah. being screened on this second cable provider. There is a precedence for this, um, but then you could also look at it and say, hey, you know, Seven, how many digital channels have you got? You could be screening more matches on some of those channels in addition to it. So I think there's lessons to be learned from the success of this for the future. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things. Like we've just had Wimbledon, you know, yeah. only certain matches are on free-to-air. The re- Everything else is on stand. That yep. happens in lots of sports. The Men's World Cup, I think that was also on um, – Optus and only some games on free to wear. Yeah. So, you know, it happens a lot. But thank you, uh, Chris, for your email. And just a reminder if you want to talk to us about anything that uh, you've seen on TV or you want to see or you don't want to see ever again, send an email to comments at tvgold.au. We've covered off um, uh, our show of the week. 
what have we finished? You've already admitted this week you've finished a catch. I, I finished watching the catch that we spoke about last week, the English series. I would have finished 15 Love, which was a show I said last week I didn't think I'd stick with. I put it on in the background and it was there and I did other things. And then episode five, I suddenly went, oh, I think I'm really into this now. And that's when the media preview side stopped. So I'm going to have to watch it with everybody else now, those last three episodes. I don't know how they're going to keep stringing the story out, but they're, they're doing a pretty good job of it. So well done to that. I also finished Riptide uh, on Paramount the Australian series. So I'm getting there. I'm still working my way through The Bear. I don't want to watch that in a hurry. The Bear is a show I like to watch an episode, sit with it, and then go to the next one because it's such a different show. Um, but the last thing I'd like to say this week, James, is just give a shout out to Paul Rubens who died this week. He was, of course, Pee Wee Herman. And the reason I want to mention this is that you know, James, I lived in Canada from 1988 to 1993. So there's this big gap of Australian pop culture I missed out on because I wasn't in the country. But that meant that I was over in North America and there's a whole bunch of things I saw that didn't make it to Australia. And one of them was Pee Wee's Playhouse, which was a Saturday morning kids show uh, that I don't think ever screened here in Australia. And I used to get up every Saturday morning and watched it. I loved that first Pee Wee Herman movie that Tim Burton made. It was so fantastic. Pee and uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure from 1985. Uh, the sequel wasn't great, Big Top Peewee, but then out of nowhere, this uh, third movie ended up on uh, Netflix, Peewee's Big Holiday. I really rate Peewee's Big Holiday and uh, Peewee's Big Adventure. And I would say to people, if you're a fan of Peewee and you've never, ever seen that kids show, and maybe you've got kids now, you can buy them on DVD through Umbrella Entertainment. I highly recommend it. There's a Christmas special that's just to die for. So rest in peace, Paul Rubens. My understanding from what I've been reading is that he's written a memoir that can be released posthumously now. And uh, I hope there is a critical reappraisal of that character. Uh, I think he was great. And uh, lots and lots of really lovely things have been said about him by other actors this week. So rest in peace, Pee Wee Herman. All I've got to uh, finish with is I've been we both like to keep up with new programs that are coming, and I've been reading a lot of stunning reviews of a UK series called The Sixth Commandment. Oh, yeah. And I thought, this is getting such good press. Yeah. So we, we got in touch with um, the BBC here, and we found out that it's coming August 24. Right. I think we both might have had a little peek at this already. We won't say much, but we will be getting to this in three weeks' time. Yeah. And all I will say is look out for it. Oh, I had more than a peek. I watched <laughs> it all in one hit. Couldn't put it down. Wow. That's going to be a busy week for us. We've also got, I think, the Mother and Son remake, that episode. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming up over the next few weeks to talk about. All right, wonderful. All right, Andrew, thank you uh, very much. Uh, do you have an idea yet? I know I throw this question at you well ahead of you having to write your column. Do you, do you know where you're going this week? 
You'd think that I should have a bit of an idea about this, uh, but no, I'm still kind of figuring it out. I do the podcast and then I try to, I've decided now I, I talk about it. I try to write a column and put in some stuff that we haven't talked about in the podcast. Uh, so yeah, there's sometimes a bit of repetition there, but I'm also looking for other things to say in there and other tips for the week ahead. So, uh, okay, I'll figure that out later this afternoon. I'm, I'm, but obviously I'll be writing about the lost flowers of Alice Hart. That will be my main feature okay okay well we'll look forward to that you can read andrew's column in media week get the media week morning report daily you can subscribe on the homepage at mediaweek.com.au okay andrew will speak again soon thanks james have a great week